0: Join me in prayer for just a second. Father, I lift this time up to you, Lord, and I declare in Jesus' name that your word will speak and that people will have their hearts prepared to receive your word and that we will do it justice, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Okay, well... um, you may have heard me say before that when I get up to speak, I, I never know for sure how long I'm going to talk, because sometimes the Spirit moves in such a way that what I have to say takes longer than I thought it would, and sometimes it moves in such a way that it takes a lot less time than I thought it would. But I, I do warn you that I have eight pages of notes, <laughs> so uh, might might be a good idea if you brought a midnight snack or something. I'm, uh, you know, Pastor Burt's been teaching on with uh, summer reruns since summer started. And so I'm following in that those footsteps and I'm uh, teaching a message that I taught uh, two years ago. So it's not exactly the kind of summer rerun he was doing, he was doing his from just this past year. And this one's a couple years ago. But, uh, My subject tonight, the title is righteousness, and uh, this is the favorite for me. My favorite topic that I've ever taught. I first taught it in nineteen or in two thousand and four, I think. Yeah, two thousand and four, and I was teaching a class. We were having a big. Bible study classes at that time and I was charged with teaching this class and to be real honest with you I hadn't really looked into the meaning of that word until I taught that class and teaching that class was one of the greatest blessings that I've ever had and it changed my life forever so I'm I'm hopeful that you will receive what I'm going to attempt to teach you tonight and let it open your heart to who you are in Christ, because if you will, I guarantee you it will change your life forever, too. So, I got a couple of foundational scriptures, and then we'll get busy in this. And the first one is 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is a life verse for me. And I've got, I don't know, 18 or 20 scripture references that we're gonna we're going to talk about, but Some of them I'm going to be going through real quickly, so they probably won't even have time to put them up on the on the on the screens. Because if we take the time for the normal process of everybody finding it and then we read it, we might be here till midnight. And I I don't know about you, but I like to be in bed by nine or ten o'clock. You know. Two Corinthians five twenty one. For he God made him Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. That's the New King James Version. And there is no other way to receive the righteousness of God except through Jesus Christ and the penalty that that he paid for us to be righteous. Second foundational scripture is Romans 3.22. And it says, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Now, I want to talk a little bit about that word righteousness and about the word uh, uh, justification and some other words. You know, we, we hear a lot of Christianese these days and we, we hear some words and they get thrown around in the Christian community and uh, sometimes we use them and we don't really even know what they mean. So I'm going to give you some very brief definitions of, uh, I think, four or five. I don't remember how many I've got here. Righteousness just means right standing with God. You don't need to make it anything more than that. It's right standing with God and there's only one way to have it. And that's to have Jesus Christ as your Savior. There is no other way. And then uh, justification. And I, I, you know, you can find all kinds of big definitions for some of these words, but and this is a big one. But it's the best definition of justification I've ever seen, and it's kind of long and wordy. So bear with me, please. Justification, a forensic term, and when it says forensic, that has to do with legality. It's it's a legal term. Justification, a forensic term opposed to condemnation. In other words, you're justified instead of being condemned. As regards its nature, it is the judicial act of God by which he pardons all the sins of those who believe in Christ and accounts, accepts, and treats them as righteous in the eye of the the law, i.e., as conformed in all its demands. In addition to the pardon of sin, justification declares that all the claims of the law are satisfied in respect to the just justified. It is the act of a judge and not a sovereign. The law is not relaxed or set aside, but is declared to be fulfilled in the strictest sense. And so the person justified is declared to be entitled to all the advantages and rewards arising from perfect obedience to the law. Now, we all know that we're not perfect in obedience to the law. But because of our relationship with Jesus, God sees us as perfectly legal. It proceeds on the imputing or crediting to the believer by God himself of the perfect righteousness, active and passive, of all his representative and surety Jesus Christ justification is not the forgiveness of a man without righteousness but a declaration that he possesses a righteousness which perfectly and forever satisfies the law namely Christ's righteousness is that good or what I, I I've looked at a lot of definitions of that word and that's, <laughs> that's by far the most complete and the most understandable of any definition I've seen or heard. So, we want to look at what is righteousness. You know, you hear, you hear some of these other terms. Well, I'll tell you a couple more. Uh, redemption. Y'all have heard the word redemption and, you know, it gets bandied about. And most people really don't even know what it means. Uh, how many of you here are old enough to remember SH green stamps? Ah, a lot of you. That's great. Well, for those of you who don't remember SH green stamps, back in the olden days when I was young, they, 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 when you bought groceries and, and things like that, they gave you a certain amount of green stamps based on the dollar amount of your purchase and they gave you little books and you pasted them in these little books and when you got enough little books you took them to the redemption center and in the redemption center you could trade those books of stamps for all kinds of things toasters coffee pots you know all kinds of stuff like that and that was a big deal when i was young and every housewife in the world i think saved snh green stamps so those green stamps redeemed that prize. In other words, it's payment for something of value that you don't really earn. You know, you didn't really earn those SH green stamps. They were a gift because you spent money there. But they redeemed that captive toaster or whatever it was. So it's it's an exchange of something. For something of value. So that's redemption. Uh, uh, Propitiation. Boy, I'll tell you what. I heard that probably a million times before I ever took the trouble to even try to find out what it meant. Because I couldn't hardly pronounce it, let alone know what it meant. And all it means, propitiation is just simply an acceptable sacrifice. That's what Jesus was. He was God's acceptable sacrifice to purchase us away from all of our sins. And then another one is holiness, and that gets bandied about, and it's, it's become a uh, different meaning to almost anybody who uses the word. But all it is really is right standing with God. To be holy is just right standing with God. That's all the, that's, that's all the definition you need of that word. If you want to be holy, you got to be saved. And once you're saved, you are holy because you're in right standing with God at that time. Okay, got off of that bunny trail. So, what is righteousness? Well, number one, it's the centerpiece for receiving all of God's promises. You know, there are lots and lots and lots of promises in the Bible for God's people. And... Righteousness is the key to being able to receive any of those promises that are in the Word. Righteousness is the key to any of those things. Because if you're not righteous, you're not entitled to any of them. If you are righteous, and there's only one way to get there, and that's through Jesus Christ. And if you are righteous, then you're entitled to everything that the Word promises. Everything. Second, it is being justified. And I already gave you the definition of justification, but in Romans three twenty six it says to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that is Christ's righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So in other words, all you have to do to be justified is have faith in Jesus Christ. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you believe that he is, and he's the rewarder of those who seek him, you're saved. And you're entitled to all those promises. Third, it is right standing with God. And this is a big deal. This, this, this point here is a really big deal. So it's being able to stand before God without guilt, shame, or inferiority. You know, the Word tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace with our petitions. Well, if you don't believe that your righteousness... It's difficult for you to come before God without guilt, shame, or inferiority. It's difficult for you to do that. Because sin makes cowards of us all. Think about it for a minute. Think about when you have sinned, and and then you have to think about going before God with that sin. Scary, isn't it? We don't have to be scared of it. God has already promised that we can come boldly to him. And he's already promised that we're righteous because of our relationship with Jesus. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I first began to study this righteousness thing for that class that I was teaching, it was very much like the thought of salvation. And, and, you you know, to be saved is really simple. It's not hard. You just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you confess him as your Savior, and he relieves you of your sins. It's that simple. Sometimes we try to make it real, real difficult, real complicated, but it isn't. Well, righteousness is just as simple. It's just as uncomplicated as salvation. It sounds like it's too good to be true, but it really isn't because God's word says so. So a lot of times to, to find out really what something is, you need to find out what it isn't. Right? You know, there are synonyms and then there are antonyms. So we need to look at what righteousness is not. We just talked about what it is, but we need to find out what it isn't. Number one, it's not behavior. It isn't behavior. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness for everyone who believes. In other words. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The law is ended for you. It's you know. it, It doesn't mean that you shouldn't behave in a good manner. But what it does mean is that no matter what your behavior is. You're already justified. You're already saved. You're already delivered. Uh, Number two, it is not holiness. Now, holiness means being of the same mind as God. That's all that means. Simple explanation, easy to understand. But in order to be of the same mind as God, you have to know what God says. Right? God's mind is in all the words of the scriptures. That's how we know how he thinks. So to be of the same mind as him, you have to study him. You have to understand him. You have to know how God thinks. And you have to apply that to your life. Uh, uh, three, it, it's not something you earn. Romans, Romans chapter 4. And like I said, I'm going to go through these kind of fast. So it's Romans 4, 3 through 5. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. His faith is accounted for righteousness. we got to understand, you know... This is not saying that we shouldn't be doing good works because we should, but it isn't good works like praying or tithing or going to church or, you know, helping your neighbor or any of those things. Those things don't produce righteousness. Good works don't produce righteousness. Righteousness produces good works. We get that backwards, don't we? A lot of times. We get to thinking, well, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, you know. Uh, Gosh, I I, I had a joke about that. Now I can't remember it. So we'll have to pass that for the sake of time. It's already 730. Uh, The next question is, how do we get it? Well, we already talked about that some, but we're going to amplify that a little bit. First... You can only attain it by faith. There's no other way. And not faith in faith. You know, some people have faith in faith. Well, that isn't faith. That's just hoping or wishing or whatever. Faith doesn't produce that. Faith in something produces what we need. Faith in Jesus Christ and the Father God. Uh, Romans 3, uh, 21 through 26. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there's no difference. Just like Abraham. And in Romans 4, 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. There's a basic tenet that you can only receive righteousness through relationship with Jesus Christ or with God through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. When we are born again, righteousness becomes our birthright. It's ours forever. You don't have to re-earn it anytime. You don't have to practice good works or anything like that to re-earn the righteousness that you achieve through your faith in Jesus Christ. Number two, we become joint heirs with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people would say that that's presumptuous, you know, that you're equating yourself with Jesus. Well, he's our big brother. We have the same father. So in a way, we are equal with Jesus because he's our elder brother. We became joint heirs with Jesus. Romans 5.17 For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So we are entitled to everything that Jesus is. Think about that for a minute. We're entitled, according to the Word, we are entitled to everything that Jesus is entitled to. And please don't think this is sacrilegious when I say it, but God loves us as much as He loves Jesus Christ. That's not blasphemy. That's what the Word says. If we are born again, we're as righteous now as we'll ever be. And we still sin. You don't have to sin, but we do still sin. You know, Anybody here that hasn't sinned in the last month or so? <laughs> last week? Today? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Hold on to your seat. The word declares that you were righteous before you sinned. You were righteous while you sinned. You were righteous after you sinned. It doesn't leave. It's a birthright. You have it forever. We have to remember that it isn't something that we earn. You know, uh, most of, the, most of the Christian world thinks that, well, in fact, there are whole denominations that think if, if you sin, you lose your righteousness. You, you lose your salvation. If you lose your salvation, you lose your righteousness. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, it says the opposite. Remember, righteousness is a gift by faith, and you cannot earn it. You cannot earn it. There's only one way to get it, and that's through Jesus Christ. So, having said all that and convinced you, hopefully, that you are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ, and that it's yours forever, the next question that comes generally on the the heels of that is, well, if I'm righteous forever, can I just go out and do whatever I want to do? Can I just go out and sin and just do, live however I want to live? Well, the short answer is yes. But you, shouldn't, you probably don't want to. doesn't mean you're never going to sin again, but it, it does change your attitude toward sin behavior. And the closer you are to God through Jesus Christ, the more you get to know God and how much He loves you, the less inclination you have to sin. Because it doesn't feel good anymore. You know, the Word says that there's pleasure in sin for a season. But once you get to know Jesus Christ and understand how much the Father loves us and Jesus loves us, it changes your attitude toward that behavior, doesn't it? Uh, uh, First John 1 9 says if we sin we go before him and he'll forgive us for all our trespasses Romans 6 1 and 2 I don't have that I don't have that written down here can you put that up Romans 6 1 and 2 okay what shall we say then shall we consent to continue to sin that grace may abound verse 2 certainly not how shall we who died to sin live in it any longer Good question. As I said, we all sin, but we don't live in it. We don't live in it. It's not our lifestyle. Righteousness is our lifestyle. We sin because we want to. You know, you hear people say, Well, I just fell into sin. I mean, no, that's a lie. <laughs> Nobody falls into sin, we sin because we want to. Now, we may regret it as soon as we do it, but at the time, we wanted to do it. <clears throat> there's a price to pay for sin. Even after you're justified, even after you're, you're uh, righteous, when you sin, there's a price to pay. You have to deal with your conscience when you sin. You have to repent, which is sometimes painful, right? Right? I'm the only one that hurts, okay? <laughs> Sin is a seed that produces a harvest. Produces a harvest. I don't know about all of you all, but sometimes I've sinned and then I've prayed for a crop failure. God is merciful and sometimes we sin and we don't have to pay any penalty. Nothing, there's no repercussions or anything. But if you continue to sin, there will be a harvest. Even though you're saved and you're, you're, you're uh, righteous and all that kind of thing, you have to pay the penalty for your choices sometimes. And sin is a choice. There's no other way to describe it. It's a choice. You do it because you want to. <clears throat> when you're born again... When you're born again, your spirit is righteous. Your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, have to be renewed. Read it in Romans twelve two. And it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As I said, you know, there's, there's really only one way to develop this righteousness consciousness in your being. And that's to understand how much God loves you and to know what his word says. What it's his will for us to do and what it's his will for us not to do. There's, there's no other way to get it. So, you have to renew your mind through the word, you know, there's, there's all kinds of voices in the world on television and movies, you know, and office gossip and all those kinds of things, that will try to convince us that certain things are okay. You know, it's just the way society is. But certain things aren't okay. But if you don't know what the word says about those things, you won't know that that's not okay, and you'll be dragged into it. The world has a loud, loud voice. And it's hollering all the time. <clears throat> oh, this, this is a really good point. <laughs> you are righteous because God said you were. You know, we, they, 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 they sang a song Sunday, the praise and worship team did, And there's one line in it that's just been going over and over and over in my head ever since Sunday. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. I thought that was a great song, a great line. And I've just been hearing it over and over and over in my head. And it's a real comfort to me. So put that in your little mind. Say it over and over and over until it gets to be part of you. So, next question is, what happens when a person sins? What happens when a person sins? I know you all could all answer this, but I'm going to give you some answers. Number one, we no longer feel righteous. Anybody experience that? Me too. You no longer feel righteous. It just really feels uncomfortable, doesn't it? Number two, we feel unworthy. That's our soul. We can't go by what we feel. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, we have to believe, we have to have faith in what God's Word says, To avoid that feeling. We can't go by how we feel. You know, most of the world goes by feelings. You know that? Most of the world does. And there are all kinds of voices out there that feed that. So you have to know what the word says. Satan accuses us. Revelation 12.10 says, Then I heard a loud voice say in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Well, he's not cast down yet, but he's defeated. The word says he's defeated. So he's still up there accusing us and all that kind of thing. But if we focus on what God tells us and we hear the Holy Spirit, we can defeat him. And I said this before, but i say it again. Sin makes us cowards. We we become afraid to stand for our rights. You know we have rights as as Christians. We have rights. Every promise of God is one of our rights. And they're yes and amen. 2 Corinthians 5.21, which I read in the beginning, is a foundational scripture. It's a life scripture for me. For he made him... For God made Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. Next thing that happens is we try to regain our feeling of righteousness by trying harder. How many of you, well, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have ever had a sin that keeps repeating itself in your life? Over and over and over. And you try and try and try and try to stop and all that kind of stuff. Um, Well, I'll name one that everybody has participated in at some time or another. That's gossip. I have known people that couldn't live without gossiping. They just couldn't do it. They'd try to stop and all that kind of thing and then get close to some neighbor or something and it'd start up all over again. Try harder. Won't work. Next we try setting new criteria. Well, this little thing is not a sin. That's a sin, but this little thing is not a sin. Well, our criteria comes from God. It doesn't come from our... our dynamite mind it just isn't there those things are called self-righteousness all of us have known some people from time to time that have been real self-righteous you know real upright and they never admit to doing anything wrong and all that kind of thing they're self-righteous well there's no such thing as self-righteousness You can't be righteous in your own. Galatians 3.3 says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Can't be done. Can't be done. Next, we can confess. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As I said before, you know, sin makes us cowards, makes us fear to go before God and all that kind of thing, makes us feel less of ourselves and all that kind of thing. But this tells us how to get rid of that, and it's just as easy as that. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. You know, it might be difficult for us to face our, our sin and, and recognize that we have to repent of it and change our lifestyle, but it's not complicated. It's simple, but it's not always easy. Okay. Jesus' sacrifice clothed us in his righteousness. Isaiah 61.10 says, "'Will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels.'" When we're born again, we're clothed in a robe of righteousness. When we sin, that doesn't remove that robe. Sin stains it. Confession cleanses it. You're brand new all over again. Isn't that wonderful? What could be better than that? Okay. Next point. Righteousness must be received by faith. Romans 1.17 says, For it is the righteousness of God, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. From faith to faith means from one faith experience to the next faith experience. In each faith experience that you go through... Builds on itself. It's cumulative. The more faith experiences you have, the greater your faith becomes. From faith to faith. Next, faith is what pleases God. Habakkuk 2.4 says, Behold, the just shall live by his faith. Galatians 3.11 says, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live By faith. Hebrews 10.38 said, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now I'm almost done. I've got ten minutes. Faith speaks. Romans 10.8 says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. You have what you say. You know, Pastor Bird has been uh, talking to us lately very often about not uh, not underestimating the value or the power of the spoken word we have to remember that we are what we say and we say what we are so if you find some non-faith things coming out of your mouth you need to check your faith walk you need to go back and do some research If you receive your righteousness by faith. If you get it down into your spirit. You will be bold to speak. You'll be bold to speak health. Prosperity. Deliverance. And anything else that you have need of. That the word promises. Doesn't mean you can have faith. That you're going to receive anything that you speak. But if it, if, but if it lines up with the word of God. You can expect it. And you can feel confident that you have the right to receive. Now, you know, I'm not real sure whether I did a, a good job explaining all this or not. But I really encourage you to do a little, little study of your own on righteousness because it's a key. It's a key. If you believe that you're righteous, it's the key to receive everything else that the Word promises us. And I, I have a confession here that I want you all to say with me. Ready? Father, I declare that I am the righteousness of God and that I rule and reign in life, as the righteousness of God, I break the hold of sin consciousness over my mind in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me with the righteousness consciousness that I have a right to. Not because of who I am, because of what God has declared about me. I pray that something eternal will happen on the inside of me. I thank you that a mark will be made in my life and in the lives of others I touch that cannot be erased erased. because I am am. the the righteousness of God. I declare it in the name of Jesus.